This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. EduTech Guys Radio, radio radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on the site this program are those of participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio, sponsored by Southwest Arkansas Education Cooperative and Hope Public Schools, both in Hope, Arkansas. And we want to give a shout out to CDWG for their sponsorship. Uh, through some of the equipment that we use here on the show. Welcome to a special early live edition of EduTech Guys Radio. I'm one of your hosts, David Henderson. And I'm Jeff Madlock. Woohoo! Welcome We're getting to better the show. at that. That's the really best part about that. <laughs> In the old days, we'd all stutter through that whole thing. Well, you know. I'm going to say it's because Greg's gone. That's I was just going to say, there's only two of us now, so. So, if Greg, you're out there listening, ha <laughs> No, we do miss Greg. He's moved up to bigger and better. He has. Things. He's yeah. He's doing well up north. Up north, <laughs> yeah. What an hour well, away. North, north for, for us. Uh, we southern folk. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, listen. Thanks for listening. If you want to check us out on the web, go to www.edutechguys.com. You can uh, drop down to the bottom of the page, find a contact form there. Also, there's a podcasting list there. You can jump ahead and see any of our other 43 shows or conference shows that we have had. Yeah. Also, catch us on iTunes. Uh, just look up Edutech Guys. In fact, as David said a few shows back, if you'll just go to Google and type in Edutech Guys, pretty sure we're the number one. We, we take pride in that. Yes, I We're the hey, number well, one know, return. We're, we're working hard to be the ed- Those the, analytics the are working Edutech beautiful. Guys. <laughs> the only... I don't know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? We're the agitator. Uh, so far, I think it's good. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> so you can catch us on Twitter at uh, Edutech Guys. You can catch us yeah. on Facebook slash Edutech Guys. Uh, Instagram slash Edutech Guys. Guess what? Pretty much look at anything. Just put Edutech Guys in there and you'll find us. Hey, if you're listening to the show and you'd like to uh, chime in and find out what's going on, just hit at hashtag ETG chat. And uh, we'll be wa- monitoring that on the good old tweet deck. Yeah. Give TweetDeck a shout out there. If you're not using TweetDeck, that's a great way to keep up with your social media, especially if you're using it in the classroom, keeping up with the kids. Hey, we have a very great show today. Um, this is show number 44. Uh, we're coming to the end of season one. It's funny. I guess our season is unlike, you know, our season is one year. So yeah. uh, Dave and I are pretty proud of ourselves considering 
conference shows and our regular weekly shows, we've done almost a show a week um, oh, yeah. for a whole year. That's yeah, pretty. It's been awesome. It's been I'm awesome. pretty happy ourselves. But today is a great show. Uh, we have Will, Will Richardson on the show. Um, he, he was one of our first guests. Yeah, he came in from ISTE last year. Um, that's when we were uh, just fledgling, you know, broadcasters oh, yeah. in the podcast yeah. field. And um, we're excited to have him here today. Uh, he'll be on in just a bit, and we're going to talk about his new book, uh, Freedom to Learn. And probably cool. talk about his previous book. But either way. <laughs> and whatever else he wants to talk about. He's I, you the know, guest. So. That's right. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a great day. We'll hit the Google tip of the week, and we'll also talk about the, what's happening right now with everybody. End of school. Hey, hey end, end of, of school. school. Which means uh, professional development time. Yep. And if you're looking for some fun professional development, uh, check out our website. Uh, we are doing podcasting professional development throughout the summer. Yeah, We absolutely. do have some slots open, so if you're listening to the broadcast and it sounds like fun to you, uh, let the powers that, that be at your site or your school or your cooperative or your educational service center yeah. know about it. And they can get in touch with us, and we'd love to come and talk to you about how to do podcasting, how to use Google Apps to get it all done. Uh, and it's going to be fun talking to uh, to Will Richardson about this because that's what, you know, we're going to talk about where schools are going and what we have to do. And, yeah. Know, it's kind of where we are. That's the way we believe. And let's open, broaden it, all that good stuff. So yeah, i tell you cool. what um, – Will, are you there? I am. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> Always have to check, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. we truly believe in technology, but you got to check it. Just That's, to well, sure. you know. That's right. <laughs> um, uh, hey, Will, welcome to the show. We'll let you introduce yourself and uh, tell you, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for having me again, Jeff, and and um, you know, really appreciate it. Uh, congratulations on almost a year of uh, doing podcasts. That's always fun, right? Yeah. 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 Thanks. Um, thanks. Uh, I am a uh, parent, an educator, a uh, blogger, uh, author, speaker. Um, been doing this actually 10 years this week after I left my high school job of 22 years. Wow, well, um, congratulations wow. on 10 years. That's awesome. Thanks very much. It's been a, kind of a wild ride, but uh, lots of fun. And uh, um, yeah, just uh, out here now trying to engage people in a different conversation around education, really trying to push their thinking a little bit about how we've got to change the way we think about the world. Uh, in our schools because of what's happening outside of schools. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, you know, um, last time we talked about from master teacher to master learner, and since then I've read the book, <laughs> <laughs> and I'd started it back last time. But um, your new book, I have started it, but I have not finished it. I apologize. It's, you, you know, it's into school, so we're all just running around hectic trying to get everything done. But um, I, your your train of thought just moves forward and forward and forward. I can tell that you're that that's where freedom to learn came from. So tell us about where you're at right now with freedom to learn. Tell us, you know, what made you write that book and and what pushed you from your last book to this book? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because I think in a lot of ways uh, it's, this is more going backwards than it is forwards. Um, I know that for the first uh, first good portion of the time that I started blogging and and uh, started, you know, going out and speaking probably first seven, eight years, in fact, I was more um, focused on tools and, and how to I've just started doing a lot of reading about learning and going back to Dewey and to Pappert and to a whole bunch of people who I know I probably read in college, but but didn't really resonate at the time. Sure. Uh, and, you know, really, when, when I'm talking about freedom to learn, I'm talking about 
um, just very basic beliefs that we have around how kids learn best. And those have been around forever. I think those are pretty much eternal. Um, there are things like, you know, giving kids opportunities to pursue their passions and helping kids to really create good work in the world, to solve real problems that interest them, to ask questions that interest them. You know, all those things that we know uh, are, the, are the kind of conditions for good learning. I think we have to try really hard to create more of those in classrooms. And so um, that's really not new. That's old, right? Yeah. What is new is then if you use that as a starting point, how technology can amplify those opportunities. Because now, obviously, with the web and with all the access that we have, it's, uh, it's pretty easy for us to connect with other people, to obviously consume all sorts of content, to create content and share it. And uh, so uh, if you have a literacy around it and you ha if you have the dispositions to really be a learner in the traditional sense, then it's a pretty interesting time. But um, the challenge is, is that uh, for most schools, uh, freedom and agency over learning is not something that they necessarily want to provide to kids. Uh, we want to control it uh, as much as we can, and uh, we want to be basically still, I think, the people who deliver an education to kids, not um, uh, not help them develop as learners around the things that they really care about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you're, that, that hit the, the exact point. That's, you know, and I think it's interesting that you're right. The only thing, the thing that's changed its major is, is the web, is the communication it instantaneous. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, one of your premises that I, that I think I picked from this doing my, my, my brief reading, you know, when the kids come to school, it is like everything that they were doing between four o'clock the previous day. And when they came to school, it's kind of like we go now shut all that down and do what I say. And they're losing that opportunity to take whatever happened to them <laughs> that past 12, 12 to 16 hours and not continue with it because you're right. We're trying to structure everything. I think that puts us in a really interesting place that we're trying to, you know, just traditionally our structure of schooling is just does not meet the 21st century needs of, of, of learning right. at all. I mean, it's just terrible. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and, and something that I say a lot in both in my writing and my presentations is that, you know, schools weren't really built for this moment, right? Schools were built for this idea that, if you wanted to learn something, you had to go to that particular classroom with that particular teacher for this particular time with these particular kids to go through this particular curriculum. I mean, you know, we're the ones that organized all of it because we operate under the assumption that if you don't get the Pythagorean theorem in seventh grade, you may never get it again. You yeah, know, you right. never have an opportunity to access it. Well, that whole premise is kind of out of the window now. You know, um, the Pythagorean theorem is everywhere. And so the question for us becomes, how do we begin to shift our work so that we can help kids flourish in a world where they can learn on their own, um, where they can learn pretty much anything they want when they want it? Now, that's not to say that teachers don't have a role in that and that there uh, aren't really valuable and important relationships between kids and adults in schools that, that uh, we want to sustain. Um, but it does mean that the role of teacher is going to change. It does mean that our uh, the way we think about an education is going to have to change. And um, I think, to be honest with you, I think a lot of people now are beginning to ask those types of questions and really start to grapple with that. I think you're right. And well, it's it's interesting. Just a few episodes back, David's uh, David's daughter's school mm -hmm. is moving to a flexmod scheduling, right? Trying to adjust to fix this kind of issue. 
you know, and and, yeah. I, and we see it. That's a it's not a it's not a big school district, uh, twelve hundred kids, mm-hmm. but it's the high school moving to a flex mod schedule so that they can try to work around the way the kids are learning and not the way they're trying to teach. And I see a lot of schools doing that. Well, I think that, you know, just really fast, the, the one um, kind of the bar I set for any kind of technological innovation or any um, kind of shift in architecture in schools, you know, in terms of schedule or any of that stuff. I mean, the, the one question I, I always ask is how does this create more agency for learners to learn, right? Um, how, how are we, by using this particular tool or creating this particular condition, how are we giving agent more agency to the learner? And um, I think all too often that's not something that we ask. Yeah, I think you're right. I agree with that. You know, and, and I, th- I think the other thing is, is that I don't, I don't know if we actually ask what we want the, uh, maybe the word, what's the word, outcomes to be for students. You know, what are we, are we trying to make them pass the test and go to college? You know, is that, and and not, where are you going to actually take this? And then maybe that's one of the concepts that we, that's a hard part for us. I think most schools at this point in the U.S. with park testing, you know, the testing, Mm -hmm. that's pretty much their only thing. I've got to have math scores at this level and I have to have literacy scores at this level. And we've forgotten the whole idea that this kid loves to blog and he's a great artist. And how can we tie all this into that for that student? I can see that. And that's a it's a hard narrative to change too, you know, oh, because yeah. it's this narrative the parents were a part of, and and uh, you know policymakers are sustaining that narrative too. So it's it's very very difficult right now. Well, and that's one of the things that I was going to to bring up. Um, we just had, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, the principal uh, of the high school called in uh, all the parents uh, about this change that was coming and and what it's going to look like and what it's going to mean. And man, I. The, the, the parental, um, I, I, I hate to use the word backlash, because it, there was backlash, but from my perspective, it's more misinformation and misunderstanding of what the district is trying to do for those students. So um, where before, you know, everything is, you know, you're in this period at this time each day and da, 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 you know things are going to get shuffled around and moved around and the students are actually going to be uh, more in charge of their own learning for the most part um, and we're really getting into that um, the, the flipped environment for lack of a better description but you know essentially where teachers are becoming facilitators for the students learning what it is they want to learn but also what they need to learn i mean you still have requirements of what you know what's expected students to learn during the time they're in school um but man some of the parents were just flipped out and and it goes right to what you said you know it's a complete change from the you know the way we did it in my day or the way we grew up you know and and it's that's it's a it's a hard thing to do it really is it's a hard thing to get folks to to change that mindset i don't i don't think schools and to be honest i don't think most leaders uh understand how long uh it takes to make change that is sustainable and i think that story that you tell is really um kind of indicative of a lot of places that i go where 
um, you know, they haven't taken the time to build the capacity in parents to have a different conversation around the changes that they're making. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this, the districts that I'm working with, we're, we're like on a five, seven, 10 year plan. And part of the beginning of that is to simply build the capacity of parents, community members, teachers, everybody to engage then in a relevant conversation around change that is sustainable. Because I'm sure you've noticed most initiatives that move districts or move classrooms to a different place uh, within five years have been reeled back in, right? That we we go and we start doing this, but then uh, all of a sudden we kind of trickle back to what we were doing before. And, and I think that the system in and of itself is very self-preserving. So um, in order for it to, to significantly change over the long term, you have to invest a lot of time at the outset to just kind of um, bring people up to speed as to what the contexts are, um, you know, go back and talk really about learning. I mean, you know, we start with the question, what do you believe about how kids learn? And um, most people, when they answer that question and then compare it to what they do in the classroom, <laughs> the two totally, <laughs> yes. they don't connect at all. Exactly. Right? We're doing a whole bunch of stuff in classrooms that we don't really believe create learning conditions. So, you know, you got to start there, but it, it's a long conversation. Yeah, you know, it's funny you said that. I was I just shared a quote yesterday from Bill Gates that most people overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in a decade. So, you know, it's I think that's the hardest part is because the silver bullet is the way that schools work right now. They need it done in 190 days. You know, they need it done in 80 days. Well, I will tell you one of the one of the things that that you hit the nail on the head and and I'll be honest, 5 years is that's pretty gracious of you. I mean, really, because usually it's about two to three, and then you know everybody's backpedaling and changing, or it's not even backpedaling so much. It's just, well, we're going to do this for two years and try it, and oh, nope, let's change this, and you know, kind of the like Jeff said, you know, sort of the silver bullet, sort of the way the wind changes, kind of things. And and I will tell you that was one of the concerns that the parents brought them. They brought up themselves. They said how do we know that in two years this isn't all going to just fly away and now you've absolutely destroyed my students' education because you feel like playing around with this new system? Well, and again, that's because we haven't invested the time in helping them understand why we're doing this. And, the, uh, you know, the, the con- again, the, the broader context that are requiring us to change and, uh, and why this is a long-term type of thing. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why it doesn't work. Certainly leadership changes on a regular basis. I mean, I think the average tenure of superintendents these, these days is under three years or something like that. So that, that doesn't help, obviously. But um, I'll tell you, that the biggest thing is I, I don't think uh, – I think very few districts have taken the time to simply articulate their principles around what they believe about learning. You know, And, and if they don't have those, if those are – if that's not where you're starting from – um, most of uh, most of the change that you implement is going to be fleeting. I can just tell you that because it's going to go back to um, what's comfortable, what's uh, more traditional. It's going to remain a teaching culture rather than a learning culture, mm-hmm. and um, you know that's that's going to inhibit that freedom that that I'm talking about. It's going to sure. it's going to reduce the freedom the kids have to choose. Uh, and to again learn how to be learners in the context of stuff that they care about. Right. Yeah. Do you think that in that in that approach, do you think that that's one of the big disconnects is for starting? Forget the parents at this point, starting with a school district and its staff and its administration is the disconnect of letting the students be the learners, you know, defining what they want to learn. 
And yeah. And and then the, the scary part I think now is is that, I mean, you would probably agree is that we have the technology, <laughs> you know, the kids have the technology in their hands, to define their learning. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, is is that so? Right. The, the bulk of it, the bulk of what you're dealing with 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 the schools you're working with is, the bulk of that is just changing the the mind think of that, isn't it? But it's a huge shift, right? I've got a post coming out tomorrow morning where, uh, or maybe it's, I don't know, soon, um, where, you know, I, I'm, I, I write about how I really don't want my kids to be educated mm-hmm. by schools. I want them to be learners mm-hmm. in schools. You know, the idea of an education, um, while I, I understand the, you know, the concept of it, obviously, and I'm not saying I don't, don't really want my kids to be educated, but I think that the focus in schools can't be on an education any longer because an education is changing all the time. And so on graduation day, we hand out diplomas and we say, yeah, you are educated, right? And all of a sudden it becomes past tense mm-hmm. um, as if you've, you know, you've checked a box or, or now you're ready. And we all know kids are not ready on graduation day to flourish in the world. The only way they're going to be ready is if they are learners, if they are really powerful, invested, engaged learners who can basically take on the task now. And this wasn't the case 10, 15 you know, years ago, but now their task is to educate themselves for the rest of their lives. Right. And that's their job now. It's not our job. It's not anyone else's job. Yet we are basically um, enabling them in their time in school to wait for other people to educate them. And that's, that's just a huge disconnect right now. Um, and and the focus has to move away. I think from the whole idea of educating kids to creating learners. So it's developing them, nurturing, you know, those learning dispositions and really getting them to, um, to, to love learning and to go out and want to learn more once they leave us. Yeah, that's a, you know, I have several case studies in my career over 23 years of students who were not great students, but they were great <laughs> learners. And yeah. they left high school and immediately moved on with their lives into the direction that they were doing, <laughs> that they were learning. You right. know, and it's interesting to look at that because I have several of them that, you know, do things in every genre you can think of. And, you know, they made D's and F's in chemistry and they, they didn't get, you know, trigonometry, but they're already powerhouses in some of the fields that they work in now because they were, they were allowed to be smart enough. Well, in, they were independent enough to be learners on their own, no matter what the, the you know, the core curriculum was, they were going to move forward and, and push hard. And I, I can see what's interesting is, is that, there are a lot of parents out there who can't understand that. There's a lot of parents who know you have to. It, we were all trained. I think back to Seth Godin's TED Talk where he's talking about the reason that we have schools is you know to train factory workers. Kind of true. And it, well, it's true. But you know that's what's interesting is you know most parents say well you you have to take trigonometry because you have to pay your dues. You've got to do these things to move forward. But that's just not work. It well it never worked. It mm-hmm. never worked. And I mean. You know, Will, you're very, you're one of few people who's actually hollering that from the mountains at this point again. Yeah, and you're right. It's when you said that, I can think back. It's not a new concept, but you're actually, you know, kind of trying to help them push into it. And schools, how are how are the schools biting at that? Are, are you getting a lot of, of of hits on your line? Oh well, you know the the. Uh... 
I don't know if it's ironic or what the word is, but whenever I talk about that kind of stuff, whenever we're having discussions about this stuff, everybody in the room, their heads are nodding. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is the way we learn. This is the way this is, you know, um, but then the actual then changing of the practice, um, is where it gets really difficult for people. And I totally understand it. I mean, because it really has to be almost intrinsic (laughs) on the part of the educator to change it. There are very few extrinsic motivations for um, moving to a more learner-centered, you know, a a place where kids are really, again, asking interesting questions and pursuing those questions where the teacher's uh, helping them understand not just how to answer them, but how to really go about answering them, the process of learning around that stuff. So that's where it gets hard. Um, But, you know, I've been struck in the last two years since I've kind of honed in on this. You know, like I said, it took me a while to kind of get to this point. But once and and by the way, once I got to this point, of course, I read, you know, hundreds of people who've already been there, you know, for a long time. Right. And (laughs) here I thought thinking about it so differently. And now everybody knows this stuff. (laughs) It's like buying a new car. I never saw this car until I bought one. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) But but it is it, it is really striking to me how no one pushes back when we talk about how kids learn and how different it looks from what happens in classrooms. Everybody just kind of nods their head in agreement. Everybody knows it. Everybody kind of just admits it. And yet it's extremely difficult to change it. You know, it's just very hard. So, you know, my, my kind of standard line now to make people really feel really bad is, <laughs> well, just look, if you're not going to do what you believe good learning requires in classrooms, then at least just own it. At least just own it that you're not doing it. Because um, you, you, you got to feel a little bit of guilt if you're looking at the world and saying, what's happening in my classroom is not conducive to kids learning powerfully and deeply, and I know it, but I can't change it. So right. it's almost like, you know, the first step to change is to admit you have a problem. Right. That's, you know? my, that's exactly what was going through my head. You exactly. Know, going through let's, my head. let's admit that we have this problem. Let's admit that, that we're not creating great learning environments for kids, um, that we haven't been doing that for 125 years. But now that the world has shifted, we really have to think about how to do that because those great learning environments now exist writ large outside of the classroom with kids carrying around their own technologies and learning on their own in ways, again, that look nothing like what they're doing in schools. Yeah, exactly. Do you find a lot of schools saying, Will, we need a step-by-step outline to accomplish this because that's the way they think? Yeah. And I mean, you know, look, I I do think that there is a process that you can build around this, but it's not a step-by-step thing, right? It's not Mm -hmm. a recipe. Right. But I do think that there's a look. Like I said before, I think uh, I'll give you. I'll give it to you. I think there's four steps to this. I think number one is it's the individual educator building his or her own capacity to understand what's happening in the world right now. That you have to be, you have to talk, you have to think about what you believe, and then you have to look at the contexts of the world, and you have to have that kind of internal dialogue or whatever with yourself as to is what I'm doing now in my classroom really relevant and sustainable for kids who are going to go out into this very different world? So I think if all of us took the time to just, and and with the support, by the way, of leadership and, you know, book study and whatever else, just conversations within the school, just so the educators kind of get up to speed on everything that's going on. And then I think we need to take some time to build the capacity of parents and community members and all those other people so that at some point we can sit down and create a really modern vision for teaching and learning. Um, that's the other thing that kind of has really surprised me is every school I go to, I ask them, so what's the vision for teaching and learning in this district? And either no one knows what it is, they can't recite it, 
or they take out their phones and they start going to the website because they know it's on the website somewhere. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got to be able to Google this, right? <laughs> words. I mean, it doesn't mean anything to anybody. They're not living their mission. They're not living their vision for the most part. So that's the third step. And then the fourth step is then, only then, is when you begin to really design and and to do things differently and to iterate and to pilot and to, you know, do all that kind of work, which is why I think it takes five, seven years, you know? You got to take the time to get everybody understanding the world so they can have a relevant conversation about it. You got to build a vision that says this is what we think is going to be best for kids. And then we got to figure out how to do that. You know, it's not something that is going to be the same cookie cutter approach school to school. This is what's going to work for our kids, for our staff, whatever else. So, um, you know, I, I do. I think there's a process. And, and that comes from, by the way, um, talking to and looking at and reading about um, many, many districts over the last five, seven years who have done that work, who have begun to move in those directions. Albemarle, for instance, Pam Moran in Virginia uh, is a great example of that. CCSE SD59, Ben Gray in Illinois is a great example of that. You know, so there, there are schools who have, you know, it's not a step-by-step thing, but there is a general process that they're going through in order to move to a place where sustainable change really happens. Yeah, exactly. Well, and going back to the the community uh, involvement and in, in getting community um, to and parents, but getting community parents to to um, I don't want to say buy in because I don't think that's that's really what we're looking for. I mean, I know that's part of it, but um, to me, it's it's helping with that process. Um, and, and I know from my personal experience uh, with the school that my daughter goes to and, and the, the where, you know, where, like I said, they had a parent, she, the, the principal had a parent meeting where she, you know, invited all the parents in. Um, and there was, uh, there was some conversation, but it was more, it was more just Q&A. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious um, in, in your experience, mainly, um, as far as that that community step, um, do you see uh, do you see that as well? Like where it's it's hard to get the community to actually have dialogue versus kind of that us versus them, yeah, reactionary. This is how it's going to be. We shall go forth, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so two quick points on that. So when you said buy-in, right, um, I, I, I do, I agree with you. I'm not sure it's buy-in. I, I think if we do our jobs well, parents will demand the change that we want, right? Mm-hmm. If we have built the capacity to the point where parents are seeing the world differently, they understand that the future of work is changing. They understand that higher ed is a mess right now. They ha- understand that, you know, all of these different technologies are impacting on the way we can learn. Um, I think parents would be like, we need to change. Let's go. Let's move it in a really big, in a really different direction. Um, But the second piece of that is, you know, again, it's about capacity building. So one of my favorite superintendents, Lisa Brady, who's in a district in uh, uh, Westchester County in New York, um, over the course of uh, three, four years now, she's been going through a process basically to try to move the district to a different place. And what she's done is had book studies with parents. She has had, um, you know, ongoing meetings and discussions. She's shown the video most likely to succeed the movie. You know, she's showing she's constantly getting in front of her parents with a different script, a different narrative. And then, you know, answering the questions that parents have 
to the point now where parents are expecting change. They want the district to move in a different direction because mm-hmm. they understand it now. But, you know, if parents are just coming in and saying, well, we don't want it to change. We It, it was good enough for me, you know, to be good enough right. for my kid. Right. Then, then to be, you know, to be honest and with no disrespect, but we haven't done our job. Um, because we haven't educated parents to the point where they are ready to have a conversation that's really different, just you know, trying to make it better. Right, exactly, and 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 I would I would agree. Um, you know, again, not trying to you know throw anybody under the bus or point fingers or anything, but in in my particular experience, that seems to be sort of um, the, the case with this as well. Um, and so I, th- I think that's one of the things that uh, I'd like to do is go back to. Uh, to that principal and just say, hey, um, you know, okay, we had this kind of first initial meeting. What are some of those, you know, what are ways that we can help uh, those of us who are parents who get it and are excited and can't wait for this to happen? Um, what what are the things that we can do to help the school build that community involvement, build that really, like you said, you know, getting the other parents to see the light and then suddenly demand, I say suddenly, but you know what I mean, demand that our students way of learning change to meet where they are and where they're headed. So I, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I have a question. Um, post-secondary, have you had any interest, you know, that to me, that is one of our, our failure weak points. That's a weak point in an armor because our kids leave us from getting an education from us <laughs> and then they go on to post-secondary and for two years there, for sure, they're not doing anything in education. You know, they're not, they're, they're definitely probably not reading and keeping up with what's happening in the field of education. And by the time they hit their junior or senior year and get into their, their teaching classes, and before they do their student teaching, you know, that's where they're learning to load the projector and learn how the copier works. <laughs> I'm, I'm being obnoxious, aren't I? But, but are you seeing any of the, any of the second, post-secondary schools in this country start to lean this way and understand that, yeah, we've got to start changing the entire way that we look at education in air quotes there. You mean for, for pre-service programs? Yeah. Yeah. Service. Um, not very much at all. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I, I'd like to just expand that. Have you seen that at all in any program? I don't, I don't care what the major field of choice is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I've seen a couple schools who have been willing to offer courses that are a little bit more um, uh, about these types of things that we're talking about, where they really are looking at um, uh, learning theory in a different way. And it's more about learning than teaching and understanding how to build a learning culture and how to use design. I mean, it's an outlier. Um, most most pre-service programs are still all about classroom management, you know, teaching, you know, teaching to the curriculum, whatever, doing lesson plans. I yeah. mean, all that kind of stuff. And um, that's, uh, you know, that's kind of a very 20th century, 19th century approach that, um, you know, I agree. I don't think that it's helping our kids. I'm not saying those people aren't great people and that they can't be really good influences on kids lives but uh again when it comes to a different vision for teaching and learning um that's not supporting it and even those teachers who are coming out of pre-service programs with a lot of 
kind of technological uh, or network learning in their own personal lives, uh, they're not really willing to begin to do that kind of stuff in classrooms because they want to keep their jobs, you know, and and they're uh, in many cases when they're being evaluated, a lot of their supervisors are saying things like, yeah, well, you don't want to do that. You know, let's just stick to the script here and let's just make sure the kids get to this outcome, get to this standard, get to this test result or whatever else. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and, you know, they really aren't very supportive of, of different, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Right. I, I'm curious, um, looking at uh, the shift that that is happening, you know, granted slowly, but surely in K-12, especially high school, 9-12, in, in the change in approaches to student learning. And then you have students who are very interested in pursuing particular professions that require them to further their education. And then they, so they step into this, you know, university environment, which really uh, is, you know, (laughs) taking a step back into this very, you know, rigid, structured uh, environment and way of of being educated, uh, as you referred to earlier. Um, I'm curious if, if uh, and, and I don't know if you know or not, this is just kind of a blanket curiosity. I'm curious, I, it would be interesting to see how those students fare um, compared to that open learning environment going into the closed university environment, assuming that's the environment they end up in. As you mentioned, you know, some universities are expanding that, so maybe they find a, a university that fits them better. Um but I'm just kind of curious what the ultimate outcome, you know, of that ends up being in terms of uh, their actual receipt of whatever advanced degree they're looking for or whatever uh, field they go, end up going into, you know, those kinds of things. And it may be too soon for that kind of data, but I think that'd be something very interesting to be tracking. I think the the, in, the interesting conversation around higher ed right now, and the New York Times editorial board just came out with an editorial yesterday that said basically that uh, colleges are not uh, fulfilling their contract with kids um, because basically so many kids are coming out of college without jobs, unable to get jobs, um, basically without the skills that, that they need. There's a huge skills gap because, again, higher ed hasn't shifted very much, uh, hasn't really figured out what this kind of new modern workplace or modern environment requires. Um, But, you know, the other thing is, too, for higher ed, um, I don't know what it's like in Arkansas, but most places that I go, higher ed is under huge budgetary uh, duress right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Most small to medium schools, liberal arts schools are hurting really badly, cutting staff, cutting programs. Um, A lot of them, some of them are going under. Um, and it's, it's, you know, you, you continue to read stories about kids who are coming out of colleges with huge amounts of debt, um, without basically, I think there was a study too that said the white or a couple of weeks ago, the white house said that by the, in 10 years, all jobs that pay 20 bucks or less will basically be taken over by robots and technology. Right. So, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very, very fast changing fluid environment when it comes to, you know, paying a hundred, $200,000 to get a degree that may not be 
relevant or or enough to guarantee you you know kind of a ticket to the middle class which is what it always used to be right you always used to say if you can get a degree you're pretty much set well that's just absolutely not the case any longer and a lot of people thought well you know we had that recession 2008 you know and obviously um that was a really bad time but you look at the statistics and you look at the research those jobs aren't coming back those jobs are gone pretty much gone forever so Again, we're not having a different conversation. We're trying to do this whole thing better, you know, and whether it's at the K through 12 level or the higher ed level, um, you know, again, Russell Acoff, who, you know, I love, says, you know, most of society's ills are are not being solved because we're trying to do the wrong thing right. <laughs> and I, I think that that's what the problem is in education. We know what we're doing isn't working, but yet we continue to make uh, changes in an attempt to make it better. Where and then what Acuff would say is, just don't forget that the the writer you do the wrong thing, the wronger you get, right? And so, um, you know, as long as you're continuing to try to to you know, do better what you know is wrong. It's a, it's a huge problem, but I don't know if yeah. that made any sense, but you no, know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, that actually does. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm as a musician first, I was a band director for 12 years and it's interesting. No one could teach me to play the Kusevitsky concerto. I had to teach myself. And one of the things that happened to me when I was 20 years old was that light came on and I realized, wait, I get this. You're just, I'm taking these classes, but I'm learning on my own. I have to learn on my own. One of my one of my best students ever went to the University of Colorado and got a degree in CBA, just because he had to get a degree to get in the door. But he's he's a phenomenal back end coder. Which you know, when he came out, the biggest part was here's what I've done. This is what I learned on my own. Mm-hmm. And Greg, who we have Greg here, you know, that was one of our former guys on the show and one of my former employees. Greg, what he has degree in and what he knows is a vast, massive difference. I think that talking about school culture and talking about the teacher's role and the school's role in building this culture is, I think we really have to look at the fact that that's, I think that's our biggest, biggest role in this whole thing is to help the kids understand that Snapchatting and Facebooking all day is not going to be the answer. It's part of finding the answer. It's mm-hmm. part of finding your way in this world. But I, I really think that our culture in the United States has hindered us a little bit. W- would you not agree that that's you know part of what you're talking about is we have to help them learn to be learners in this you know candy store that they're walking around in, which is the internet superhighway, the inter- information superhighway. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and you know it's interesting. And I, I ask teachers all that when teachers or when anyone in education begins to say that you know kids are distracted, kids can't stay on task, mm-hmm. they're not focused, all that kind of stuff. I'll say to them, you know, have, have you ever seen a kid working on a project that she loves in school? That's <laughs> exactly right. Have, you've never seen kids who are are absolutely engaged and invested in doing work that they care about. Yeah, that's a small you percentage, know. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but. It's like that's not possible in every class. Why wouldn't? Why shouldn't that be possible in every classroom? Right. Exactly. Like, why shouldn't that be our goal to yeah. to engage kids to the point where they're working on things where Facebook and Snapchat become these these kinds of things that can wait? You no, know? because right. yeah, you know, 
because they and and look, I go to schools all the time where that's the case. Mm-hmm. Not for a hundred percent of the kids, you know what I'm saying. But yeah. you walk into those schools, and there are cultures of learning that say to you know say to kids, look, we value what you care about. We value your passions. We know that you can do amazing things, you know. And so let's do that stuff together, and yeah. let's figure out what it is that you really care about so that we can, you know, help again, help, help you develop as someone who can contribute, who can create, who can, um, you know, uh, collaborate and solve problems and do all the stuff that we want kids to do. Um, so, you know, I, I get it that, you know, I was at a big urban district just a couple days ago and there was a long kind of monologue about how kids are using technology to just waste time and be distracted and everything else. And I was like, well, you know, no disrespect, but if I'm sitting in one of these classrooms, I'd probably do the same thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Bingo. You know, As a matter of fact, I already was. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's you hit it on the head, and I think that's the scary part for administrators and and you know, building level principals is to win over the teachers, to win over the parents, you know, to find that way to get this across to them that here's the deal that you know this is can i can i make a stew that everybody likes that's a hard part you know mm-hmm. can i feed everybody you know? well if we don't think that we can create conditions and opportunities in classrooms that will engage kids to the point where they put their cell phones away and work on the stuff that they're working on then we're in really really big trouble right yeah, yeah. Um, and and you know then then this whole conversation is really kind of irrelevant because <laughs> um, you know that's that's what freedom is i mean kind of coming full circle but i yeah. mean that's kind of uh you know what we're talking about here all along. But you know you're right. And, right. and why, if we can't create content in the classroom where the kids can use their cell phones and, and get the job done mm-hmm. and be excited about doing it, then we're not we're not we're not providing the opportunities that we can provide either. Because you know there's a, there is a place and a time for every piece of social media, in my opinion. I mean that's if that's what drives you. Let's you know, and that's that's a big thing with David and I in podcasting. You know, podcasting's having a great resurgence because people like to be heard. And, you know, people like to talk and people like to share their information and what they learn. What kid can't wait to get home? What person can't wait to tell their parents, whether you're 7, 17, 27, 47, to tell that significant other, guess what I did today? Right. That's a really big deal. You know, and that's, to me, one of the biggest things about where technology is for us now is the quick availability for us to say, look what I did today. I mean, Facebook has made billions of dollars off of it. So you know, education should too. Education should make billions of learners doing the same thing. But hey, well, um, I don't want to try to cut us off, but we're getting close to the end of time. <laughs> we get to talking, and we we love talking. Um, so yeah, freedom to learn. Uh, I think you can get it from the website willrigison.com. You can actually go there, click on books at the top. Am I right? Am I right, Will? Yep. yep that's books. Cool. Yep. And you can get it on Amazon. Just click the purchase button. It'll take you right to Amazon. You can get it. Um, highly recommend the book. If you get the opportunity to see Will this summer, Will, where are you going to be at this summer? Well, I'm going to be at ISTE uh, at the end of June uh-huh. um, in uh, Denver. And then in uh, October, I'm going to be in both Tulsa and Seattle um, doing two-day workshops through Solution Tree. So if you're interested in um, you know, and spending two days just really going deeply into some of these conversations and thinking about long-term sustainable change uh go to the solution tree website you'll find all the information there and i'll have it on my website uh shortly as well so those are the big ones and then i'm i'm here and there and everywhere if you're in moscow in september maybe i'll see you there so that's cool wow that's that's cool wow 
invite there, so I'm really excited. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That is really We'll awesome. all come over. Yeah, we'll be there. Right. Right. Well, and I'll uh, catch you on Twitter at WillRich42. Is that right? 45. 45. 45. Thank you. Jeez, yep. I don't get my numbers all messed up. WillRich45 <laughs> on Twitter. And um, we can also find you at WillRichardson.com. Hey, awesome. Will, thank you for being on the show again. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, man. Awesome. We hope to see you soon, and uh, we'll, we'll invite you back. Don't worry. That'd be great. Thanks, cool. Will. Thank you very much. Take care. Awesome. It was great to have Will Richardson on the show. Um, again, a lot of good conversation. Actually, we, I think we – I like how we get warmed up. We could probably talk another 20, 30, 40 minutes, maybe an hour on those topics. And, oh, uh, yeah. Highly recommend uh, checking out Will's work. Um, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's good reads. It's easy reads. It's very insightful. Gets you really thinking. Um, maybe you need to get your district on board. Maybe get your school on board. All that good stuff. Yeah. Um, hey, we're going to jump out to some music real quick. Take a quick break. Um, this is our favorite, Nixie. We always play Nixie. <laughs> you, always, you always pick Nixie, which yeah. I, hey, I'm okay with, uh, you know. Hey, you know, uh, all those guys on the radio, all, but, they, they play all the stuff all the time. I think it's one of those. Rush Limbaugh always plays, you know, some Tower of Power or something like that. So we're not Rush Limbaugh by any means. <laughs> Holy but, cow. What's that? Yeah, that's not us. So um, anyway. Yeah, here's Nixie with a uh, great song, Just Love Me. Throwing that word, oh, 
Hey, you're listening to EduTech Guys, coming to you live from the Southwest Arkansas Educational Cooperative in Hope, Arkansas. Also, I want to thank Hope Public Schools for letting us do this fun time that we do, letting me do it, coming out with David. Yeah. Um, that was Nick C., uh, two different songs, Just Love Me and Completely Yours. We like to play some music in between because it kind of gives us time to catch back up, look at our show notes, and uh, find out what's going on for the rest of the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get back. Want to thank Will Richardson for being on the show. Yes, um, yes. Always a great guest. Now we can say that because he's been on twice. That's right, so, and he was both times. He was both. So times. that's always. So that's always. <laughs> so, um, it, his book, uh, Freedom to Learn. Take a look at it. You can catch yeah. him on willrichardson.com or on Twitter. Good follow, Will Rich forty five. There you go. Awesome. awesome. Hey, let's finish this bad boy up. We got a couple commercials, don't we? Tell us what's going on, David. What's up for us for the rest of the year? What's up with us? Um, actually, uh, in Golly, was it two weeks? Um, 
We're going to be at the Level Up Conference in Texarkana on June 7th. We're going to do two one-hour breakout sessions there, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And then um, the next week, here at the Education Service Center in Hope, we're going to be doing a podcasting in the classroom workshop on June 14th in the afternoon. And then the next day, in fact, we'll leave here and drive to Hot Springs. Uh, we're going to be at the HISTI conference, the Hot Springs Tech Institute conference in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And uh, that's going to be actually at the Hot Springs High School. And uh, that's going to be June 15th and 16th. And we're doing full two-day conference coverage uh, at that conference. We're going to be talking with uh, various presenters. We're going to be grabbing people, uh, walking by and, and strapping them into the chair and <laughs> making them talk to us. And uh, we'll be talking with uh, vendors. And I'm sure we'll at some point get uh, the host with the most, Mr. Don Benton, who's the head of the whole thing. I'm sure we'll get him in there as well. But So we're going to be live. Uh, that's June 15th and 16th from Histi and Hot Springs. Then in uh, at the very tail end of November into December, we're going to have AESA, which we were at AESA last year in New Orleans, in Nolens. And this time we're going to be in Savannah, Georgia. So that's going to be very cool. And then, if that weren't enough, there's more. Um, <laughs> we're, we actually have a phone conversation with the folks at uh, who are... Uh, heading up the FETSI conference in Orlando, and that's going to be in January 2017. So uh, we'll have more about those future dates coming up. But just to kind of give you a heads up, uh, lots of cool stuff coming up for EduTech guys on the air. Yeah, and hey, don't forget, it's into school. So check out the PD offerings from your local education service centers. Absolutely. And for example. Out, I know it's PD time, but if you're looking for some stuff on podcasting, please have your administration, or if you're an administrator listening, just contact EduTech Guys. You can contact us at contact at edutechguys.com. Just give us, drop us an email. You can jump to the website and hit us off from hit us from there also. Or you can catch us on Twitter at EduTech Guys or Facebook. EduTech guys, or so on and so on. <laughs> exactly. You know, well, you know, you know the routine. Well, and, and as Jeff mentioned, um, especially uh, if you're an educator, but even if you're not an educator, uh, look up your local education service agency that's uh, nearby you. Google that. Um, get an idea what's near you and find out what kind of different workshops and professional development uh, offerings they've got in the summer. I'm telling you, it, 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 they cover all kinds of things. For my co-op, you can go to swaec.org and uh, go to the professional development button right there in the middle of the page and check out all kinds of uh, PD stuff that we've got this summer. So very cool. Very cool. Really great stuff. So you know what time it is? It is time for Google App of the Week. <laughs> I guess it's a tip. Google Tip of the Week. That tip of the Week this week comes from our good friend, uh, Greg Moore. Uh, I'm a dork. Uh, Greg, Greg Moore, our, our, our previous and still honorary forever EduTech guy. EduTech guy. Um, he sent it to us. And actually, if you use Google Docs regularly, this has been popping up inside your Google Docs yes. during the week. It's been annoying you for a few For what, a few days. For at least, for, yeah, yeah, maybe a week or so. Maybe a week or so. Um, it's the update to Google Docs Sheets slides that lets them automatically save recent files offline. So that's a great feature, actually. So um, if you are using the Google app on your device uh, and you actually had it syncing as a local drive, 
then uh, it'll contact it. It'll constantly sync it offline. Now, if you're using a Chromebook, it's even better because that's what it's doing is it's actually syncing it for offline usage. So that's pretty heavy stuff. You can take it out, take a look at it. Uh, we'll tweet out the link here in just a second. But if you want to look it up, uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there about the new update to Google Docs sheet slides that let you automatically save recent files. Yeah, very, that's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, great show today. Yeah, man. As usual. It's like I said, into school in Arkansas. Today is the last day of school in Arkansas. Yeah. So this is the Arkansas last day of school show. <laughs> <laughs> so now, interestingly enough, David and I are year-round workers. We're tech guys, so we will not get the summer off. Yeah, it's not really our last day. And, and, and the funny thing is, for a lot of educators in the state, it's not actually their last day either because uh, a lot of districts have filled out the last two days of the week, um, Thursday and Friday, with uh, professional development days. So the kids are out. The the kids kids are are home. So it's no more students, no more looks, no more slash tires with dirty hooks. I don't know. (laughs) So the kids are all gone. Uh, I'm going to need a 10-second delay How'd you know that was a poet? I didn't know I was a poet and I didn't know it. Hey, listen, thanks for listening to the show. And uh, we always get a little crazy at this time because we get to go home here in a bit. That's what makes it all okay eventually, I think. Doesn't it? It does. Yeah, okay. Hey, listen. (laughs) Thanks for listening today. Um, I'm Jeff Madlock. I'm David Anderson. (laughs) We'll see you next time. See ya. You've been listening to EduTech Guys Radio, radio radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on the site and this program are those of participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You You can can do do it all, all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.